Today we are continuing this series, Asking for a Friend. And uh, I I just want to recognize last week what an honor it was to have my friend, Pastor T.J. Hankey. Did you enjoy his message last week on rest? So good. And church, I just want to celebrate you for a minute because over the last eight or nine weeks since we started at Wharton, I've had several friends, pastor friends, ministry friends come in over the last eight weeks and, and even last week with TJ being here. And over and over, I've just heard friend after friend say, Wes, I don't think you realize it, but you have a great church. So I don't think you realize it, but the culture here is so loving and caring and, and I recognize when guys are coming from other churches and other places and they're in the ministry together and they're giving us that kind of encouragement, I recognize this, that God is doing something special in our church. And I just want to say thank you for your heart to serve and love and make a difference. Amen. Amen. Next week, I also want to let you know it's going to be such a fun week. Listen, if, if you've got kids in fifth grade or under, I'm telling you, this is going to be a weekend that they are going to love. We're calling it fall family day. I mean, it's going to be... We're, we're, we're saying that in faith, fall, fall, you know, cool, fall, fall, it's going to be family, it's going to be fun, it's, it's going to be a blast right after service, there'll be bounce houses, face painting, stuff going on in the courtyard, going to hang out. Let me tell you this, this is one of those Sundays that if, if you've got somebody you know that they're just like on the fringe, like they're a little bit interested in church or maybe they've never taken that step and they've got misconceptions and messed up ideas about what the church is and what we're all about. This is the perfect weekend to be here. I'm going to be talking for a few minutes on family and how God can make something beautiful out of our mess, how he can heal our brokenness in whatever place our families are in. You might know somebody that's in a difficult place. Next weekend, October 28th, is going to be just an awesome Sunday here for Fall Family Day. But today, I want to spend a few minutes, and I'm excited about this message this morning. We're going to talk on the subject today, dealing with with difficult people. Uh, I know that this probably would not connect with anybody in the room here, but maybe somebody on the podcast, I don't know, you know, but dealing with difficult people, let me ask you, anybody, anybody in the room, do you know somebody who's difficult to love? Anybody in the room? Come on. I I, I mean, don't look at them right now. (laughs) Eyes this way, eyes this way. Listen, listen, listen. You know, some people, some people have the ministry of misery. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, on their spiritual gifts test, the results come back and they say, yes, I, I, I do a good job of making people miserable. You know, you know somebody like that, don't you? This is, this is not a message to use your elbows, okay? I, I know some of you in the room, you're, you're, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is the weekend that they need to be here, and they're here. Yes! My husband came to church today. This is his message. Thank you, Pastor Wes. I'll thank you later. But here's what I want to ask today. Is it, would you take a second and say, God, open my heart. Open my mind. God, where, where are the areas in me that you need to change? What are, the, what are the things in my life that are actually disrupting my relationships? And I believe this, that, that God is going to speak to us and he's going to change us. And I'm excited how God can do that this morning. If you're ready, say, oh, yeah. Let's let God open our hearts. And then if you would, also open your worship guide and grab those message notes, all right? And we're going to jump in together. We're going to take some notes. We're going to study God's word. 
and let him change us. And we're gonna look first at a letter that Paul wrote to his son in the faith. You know, if you look at the New Testament, there's, there's different types of books. There's books that are named based on the author who wrote them, especially we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are, those are the men that, that wrote those books. But then you look at uh, other books, the Pauline epistles or the books that, that Paul wrote to churches, uh, the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Those are books that he wrote to a group of people. But then there's books like this one, Timothy, that he wrote to one person. And Timothy is Paul's son in the faith, and he's writing practical instruction for how to pastor people who are broken and hurting and and need some Jesus in their life. And he says this in verse 23, let's look together. And I love how this verse starts out. It says this, again I say. He's just going ahead and setting us up right now to let us know if you you didn't get this the first time, you're probably going to need this again. If you didn't get what I said the first time, this is something you're probably going to have to tackle multiple times. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments on Facebook. I mean, (laughs) that's what he would say in 2018. He says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Oh, come on, man. I, I, do we need to say anything else? Let's take up the offering and let's go home, all right? I mean, listen, I mean, I mean just right between the eyes. This is some tough stuff right here. And, and, and if you don't get anything else that I say this morning, I just want to give you one key thought that I believe will drive home the theme of this message. I hope you'll hang out for the next 20 minutes. But if you don't get anything else, get this. Because I think oftentimes we want to change others but God wants to change us. We want to change others, but God wants to change us. And oftentimes the way we deal with difficult people and relationships and situations in our life is we do everything we can to avoid them. Have you ever been like me in the grocery store and you saw somebody that you just, you didn't want to talk to? I mean, like you went out of your way in the grocery store just to make sure. I mean, I've hung out in the produce section just to avoid people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't even know what to get over there, man. Uh, it, it, there, there's times where, you know what, the, the way that we handle difficulties and situations and people in our life is we do our best to avoid them. But I think oftentimes the way God wants us to bring healing to our relationships and deal with difficult situations and people is, is not avoid, avoiding them but getting to the heart of the issue. Understand on the surface there's emotions and there's struggles and there's situations, but deep beneath that, there's the root of our people problems. I wanna give you three of these things I think are so powerful. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. It's sin. It's sin. It's it's the greatest way and, and the greatest tool that the enemy uses to disrupt our relationship. Here's what we need to understand, everybody. First off is that, what Paul wrote in Romans is true, is that we've all fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. And in every situation and circumstance in our life, we need to recognize they're all spiritual ones. That the enemy is doing everything he can to attack and disrupt the relationships in our life. 
Oftentimes, we find ourselves trying to, to, to deal fights head on with people. But when we step back and realize, you know what, there's a greater battle going on. And it's not the one I have with the, the person who looks at me wrong. It's the one who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy my life. And I even see this in my marriage. When, it, when, I, when, I, when I act like an idiot, I start attacking Jen. But when I act like a, a spiritual leader in my home, I start attacking the enemy who's trying to destroy my marriage. And I see sin for what it is. It's a tool that the enemy uses to destroy every relationship. Let's recognize sin for what it is. The second one is this. It's shame. It's shame. There's sin and then there's shame. And I've heard shame. One guy described shame as the cancer of the emotions. Shame is the cancer of the emotions because oftentimes it goes undetected for days, months, and even years. And shame so often is the root for a lot of the things that we're trying to fix in our life. Let me give you some of the examples of shame manifesting itself in our life. I think one of the big ones is depression. Oftentimes the root of the depression that we feel is the shame that we've experienced for the stuff that we're walking through that nobody knows about. And what we try to suppress ends up becoming something that damages our emotional state. I think depression is a big one. I think feelings of being unloved and unlovable are huge. They're huge ways that shame is expressed in our life. You know, we sang a song this morning, You Say. The, 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 the first line of that chorus, you say I am loved when I don't feel a thing. There's a reason why Lauren Daigle has 33 million views on her YouTube song, You Say, is because many of us identify with this shame issue. We need to recognize it for what it is. I found my value in somebody instead of who he is. I think another one is binging, whether it's food, alcohol, shopping. I think another one, extreme risk-taking or self-mutilating behavior, maybe cutting. And then finally, I think another way that shame, shame manifests itself in our life is this. It's isolation. There's something so deep in our heart, a pain, a struggle, an ache that's, that's so deep. And the way we deal with it is we say, you know what, I'm going to handle this all by myself. And the enemy keeps us trapped in this cycle of shame. And what happens is people hurt people unintentionally, not willingly, but out of the shame that they feel. Are you following me this morning? Watch this, everybody. What happens is when somebody attacks us and we feel the weight of what they're going through, oftentimes we ask the question, why did they hurt me? But what we really need to be asking is not why did they hurt me, but where are they hurting? Hear me, church. If we'll go to the root issue and not try to deal with the surface level stuff, God will help us bring healing to the deepest pains in people's heart. Help help us not to say, God, why are they hurting me? But God, where are they hurting? And then start meeting the need that's greatest in their life, dealing with the shame. The third one is this, it's selfishness. Oh, this is one we can all relate to, can't we? I mean, come on. We want it our way. Burger King figured this out in 1974, everybody. And they came up with a slogan that we all identify. And they created a cute cute little commercial that said this, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. 
All we ask is that you let us serve you your way. Come on, your way, have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. They recognize something sick about us. <laughs> and they turned, turned into a marketing opportunity that made millions of dollars. Is that we'll fall for anything that makes us feel like I can get it my way. James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. We said this a couple of weeks ago, and, but, but it's so powerful, I wanted to remind us. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? You think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want it your way. You want them to hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. You want it, you want it your way. You, you want it so much your way, you fight for it deep inside yourselves. We recognize that three, these three issues create havoc. We start to understand, God, how can I better meet the need? How can I love like Jesus? Imagine what our families and our world and our community would be, be like if we lived this idea out, what it means to love like Jesus. I want to give you a few things this morning that will help us take some next steps and deal with some difficult people in our life. And actually, maybe the difficult person we need to deal with in our life is ourselves. Number one is this. We make a choice to forgive willingly. Forgive willingly. My dad's a, a big guy, everybody. Six foot, six inches. My dad has a way and had a way when we were growing up, my brother and I, to put the fear of God in us. My dad had a sickness, everybody. Oftentimes, I think his favorite question, he would ask us routinely, have I spanked you yet today? <laughs> so, I, I feel like it was therapeutic for him. Anybody else have a parent like I did? It's just, it, it, like, Dad, how are you spanking me and smiling at the same time? Are you getting joy out of this? What is going on? My, my dad loved me. My, my dad loved us. And I remember his my brother and I, we would get onto each other, fight. We're about three years apart. He's younger than I am. And we'd, we'd fight and wrestle. I mean, you just, you know, as brothers, you kind of get under each other's skin. And I know there would be multiple times that my, my dad would get us together. And he'd say, Wes, tell your brother you're sorry. And I'd say, sorry. And he'd look at me and he'd say, tell him like you mean it. Come on, anybody have a parent like I have? Listen. No, you, you, you ain't getting away with just saying sorry. Like, I want you to be in tears, man. I, I want to see some passion and compassion for your brother. Hug him out. Love him. And now I do the same thing with my boys, and it's great. And, and the reason I say forgive willingly is that sometimes I think we go through the motion when it comes to forgiveness, but we've never let, we, we've let forgiveness touch our lips, but we never let it impact our heart. And here's the deal, everybody. Forgiveness isn't something that's forced. It's a response based on what God has done for us. When I, when I consider the way God has forgiven me, I, I, I can't hold on to things that people have done to me. I can't hold on to, to the issues and circumstances of my life. When I consider that the reason I'm gonna spend eternal life is because I have a savior who died for me, how can I hang on to the situations of this life? No, I forgive willingly. I mean, that's easy to say on Sunday morning, isn't it? But it's tough to live out. Forgive willingly. Listen to what Colossians 3.13 says. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Let's live this thing out. Forgive willingly. And then number two, serve selflessly. Serve selflessly. Look at, look at what Paul writes to the church at Galatia. As he says this in Galatians chapter five, he says, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Like salvation isn't a wild card just to go live the way you wanna do and expect that everything is gonna go great. But he says this, rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. Come on, serve selflessly. Can I just take a commercial time out to say this? One thing that I'm so proud about our church is the way we serve. I'm so proud. As a matter of fact, there was a guy that wrote on our Facebook page, church, the, a, a couple of weeks ago. He said, man, there was something about this church. He said, I could sense the love of Jesus when I opened my vehicle and met the parking team at this place. Listen, listen, that's amazing. Listen, that's amazing. <clears throat> and I recognize this, that there's something in our heart that we know as a church that we're more like Jesus when we serve. That, that, that we have a serving culture. That serving, it connects our hearts to the needs of others. Listen, you can't serve somebody and hold a grudge toward them. I, I mean, th there's times where, you know what? I know this. When things aren't right with Jen and I, I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve her. I, I, I don't want to lay my life down for her because I'm just fleshly and I'm jacked up. But I know this. When I begin to step out of myself and serve her and serve other people and love other people, it connects my heart. to. You know what it also does? It connects my heart to people's pain. So often the reason we don't serve other people and go out of our way for other people is because we know it's going to tug on our heart. We have a huge opportunity this morning. I wanted to share a story with you because earlier this year I had the opportunity to, to go down to the Dominican Republic. And I was looking for an opportunity for our church to kind of stretch our wings a little bit. And we went down to Santo Domingo, the capital there. And on one occasion, one day, we went to a small village called Catalina that's, that's made up of Haitian immigrants and a lot of families who have next to nothing. And uh, actually, we, we walked into the church that day. I'll show you a picture with me and, and a group of the kids there. And yeah, that is me without a beard. Actually, I don't know why, but I, I shaved before we went on this missions trip, and I walked out into the living room, and Jen said, who, who are you and what did you do with my husband? So I grew it back. And uh, we had this opportunity to, to see these kids fed and just to, to hang out with them and love on them. And got the opportunity to see the church building there where, uh, I'll show you a picture of the building. This is where they do a lot of the, the ministry. And, and in this room, they're feeding 100 plus kids every single day. And then we walked out of this church building and, and right outside this building, there was this little metal shack. And that's where my heart began to really break as I watched moms and ladies pouring their heart out. I mean, sweating like crazy. There's flies all over the place. But I'm telling you, I've never seen people cook like these ladies were cooking. And we stepped in there. I felt like I was a little bit in the way, but we stepped in there and we started, you know, serving and serving them chicken and rice and, and got to know about the ministry of Children's Cup and got to see the impact of, of, of what 
helping a kid eat every day does and how this church through the feeding program is getting to minister to kids day after day. And as I began to step into that situation and that opportunity, man, God began to do something to my heart. And I said, man, I can't leave here and us not be a part of this. And actually, I'm gonna give us the opportunity today and you'll hear more about it in just a few minutes because I believe this, God is giving us as a church an opportunity to stretch our wings. And, and I think that is the word right now is stretch. God, God's put something on my heart as a church is, you know what, Wes, you can stay comfortable and experience the growth and, and just kind of get comfortable. Or you can call children of God to action to make a difference in our community and around the world. Actually, one of my goals is to see every student we have before they graduate high school, take a trip either in the States or internationally on a missions trip. I believe it could change your life. <clears throat> and so one of the things that we're doing is we're planning a trip for next May. You'll hear in a few minutes about how you were having a meeting next week. And if you have a heart for missions and outreach beyond already what we're doing with our food pantry and locally, I wanna encourage you to be a part of this. If you're a student, maybe, maybe they're gonna go next year on a trip but then we're gonna give you an opportunity to sponsor children. And here's the cool thing, is we have a long-term vision for this because the children that we sponsor on a yearly basis, we're gonna go down and get to see those kids. And we're gonna have an impact and we're gonna connect with that pastor and make a difference. As a matter of fact, on December 9th this year, in just a, a month or two, we're gonna give our Christmas offering like we do every year. And part of that Christmas offering is gonna go to help build a new kitchen and bathrooms for that church in Catalina. Isn't that awesome? I love it, man. You know what I'm gonna ask you? Whether it's, whether it's your relationship with your wife or your husband, or whether it's your kids or your coworker, or whether it's a kid in the Dominican Republic or feeding people at the food pantry or bringing clothes for a displaced family from Hurricane Michael. I don't know where God's calling you or where he's leading you to make a difference, but God's calling all of us to step out of ourselves and serve somebody, make a difference in somebody. I thought I would be a little bit bigger amen than that, but you know, that's all right. <laughs> Pastor West, I feel like you're doing a great job this morning, man. <laughs> serve people, love people, forgive willingly. Number three is this, is bless those who've hurt you. Bless those who've hurt you. I, I think this is one of the most difficult ones. It's easy to preach on Sunday morning, but it's tough to live out. Bless those who've hurt you. The best way I know to illustrate it, this week I was reading, again, it just happened up in my Bible reading this week, is the story of Jonah. Four chapters, amazing story. Whether you're new to church or you've been serving God most of your life, at some point you probably heard the story of Jonah. And it's one of those stories, you know, that I kind of scratch my head as I'm listening to. And it's one of those stories that when I get to heaven, I'm going to go, God, how did that all work out? Jonah, what were those three days like in the, in the belly? You know, I deal with smells, everybody. I've got two boys. But that smell at a whole nother level right there. And here Jonah, he runs from God. He, he finds himself in the belly of the whale. And, and of course, after three days hanging out in the belly of the whale, I think you and I would do the same. God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. I am yours, Lord. And he repents, he turns his heart to God, and he says, I'm gonna go to the people you call me to, the people of Nineveh. But this is where the story gets weird. Because in chapter three, 
Jonah goes to Nineveh and he says, hey, everybody, you need to repent because God's wrath is coming on you. You've got 40 days to turn around. And it says later in the chapter that the king's heart turned toward God and he called all the people to repent. And so check this out. It's not in your notes, but look at verse 10. It says this. And when God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he abandoned his plan to destroy them and didn't carry it through. Now, most of us, this, this would be the point in the story where you would think Jonah would, would call four rivers and set up the barbecue and, and like celebrate because God is saving everybody. You're like, let's get the Publix Bakery cupcakes. You know, we're going to have a party. God's saving everybody. But you turn the page to chapter 4 and it says this. After God decides he's going to save all the people, it says in verse 1, look, Jonah was very unhappy about this and became angry. God, you did what? Actually, it goes on in that chapter and it says, Jonah says, God, that's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. I knew you were loving. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were full of grace. And I knew that when they turned their hearts around, you were going to love them again. And I wanted you to love me and give me grace, but I wanted you to give them what they deserve. That's a guy I can relate to. Anybody else in the room? Oh, come on. The rest of you, you are lying this morning. That's a guy I can relate to because so often we struggle. No, God, God, you you know how much I love you. Why why did he get the promotion? Oh, oh God, you you see her hands raised singing, you say, but you know she lives like the devil on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, and you're blessing people that don't deserve being blessed. God, I want your grace. I want you to save me. But God, give them what they deserve. But the heart of God is this. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when insults, with insults, when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a, everybody say the next word. Come on, say it once. Pay them back with a, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. What is he saying? The principle of sowing and reaping works in your life with the people that are hard to love. That when you're around people that are difficult to love, God has you right where he wants you. Because on the other side of you paying somebody back a blessing, God's got a blessing for you. If you'll just honor him by the way you love and care for people. Look, look what it says in Matthew 5.44. Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Can I just remind you this morning? Praying for somebody else may or may not change them. But praying for somebody else will always change you. It it may or may not change them. But let me tell you, husband, if your marriage is on the rocks, and you want God to change your relationship, watch what God does when you get down on your knees. And out of a heart of love and forgiveness, begin to speak blessing over your wife and begin to pray for her and to begin to encourage her. Let me tell you, there's something that'll happen in the heart of your spouse that a dozen roses will never do. It's the best advice I'm gonna give you all day. Watch what God does when you humble yourself and begin to speak blessing over people that you love and care about. 
Bless those who hurt you. Can somebody say amen? Number four, and we'll wrap it up, is this. Just live it out. Just live it out. You know, it's the message of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's an action. The action of the Bible is, is not love, everybody. The action of the Bible is actually gave. It's, it's Jesus did something that we could never do. But I love 1 John three sixteen. It says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need or a child in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Man, I know this is kind of a heavy word this morning. But I believe this today. It has the power to change your relationships. It has the power to change our marriages. It can impact the person that sits next to you in that cubicle that is so hard to love. I even believe this. It has the power and ability to give you a heart for kids who maybe will never experience the love of a mom and dad or struggle to, to make it in life. It, it, it might even give you the, the boldness to say, you know what, I'm going to save for the next year. Next year, I'm going out of the country to love on somebody who needs the love of Jesus. Just want to ask, what would it look like as a church if we really lived out the love of God that He's shown to us? I believe it can change our community and change our world in Jesus' name. If you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Man, let's take a moment and bow our heads and our hearts and let's respond to the gospel today.